0: all right so uh dusk uh you want to go from bottom of your list or you want to go from the top of your list
1: i'll go from the bottom up
0: okay so we're getting to the worst uh films for us for 2023 we each have a good list here dusk nick and myself uh, but I'm, we're going to let Dusk go first and go through his list. Um, so, what is your number 10? Uh, oh, actually, your dishonorable mention. You want to get into your dishonorable mention? Sure, I'll get
1: the dishonorable mentions. The ones that did not ma- make this list. Yeah, I wanted to.
0: The honor of getting into your worst, uh, the
1: worst stuff. Uh, yeah. First on the dishonorable mentions is Peter Pan and Wendy. Peter Pan. Uh,
0: okay.
1: A remake retelling of Peter Pan and Wendy with all the color And the adventure and Disney aspect of that characterization completely removed, and it's a drab, sad little movie that, uh, frankly, was kind of as it didn't even deserve the time to be on worst. It's just it's bad, but just mediocre enough that escapes to being on the worst of list.
0: Mm. Um, saw this movie. It's on my list as well. Yeah. And after saying, because after watching this, I did a review of uh, Hook with Chris from the Black Mm -hmm. podcast with Robert Williams, uh, Steven Spielberg, Mm -hmm. yeah, Steven Spielberg directed film, um, which had so much color and so much life. And then you see this, and then it's just that kind of ugly, grayish kind of filter that this movie has, not really a whole lot of life to it. It seems like, and yeah, I, I was, I was really. I was like, yeah, this is kind of a nothing burger of a movie. And it continues Disney trying to make kind of another adaptations of their previous work there. Uh, Nick, did you see Peter Pan and Wendy?
2: Uh, this is one I missed. I, I didn't get a chance to see it.
0: Okay.
1: Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> you didn't yeah. miss much.
0: Yeah. What's next on your list there?
1: Next on my list is a movie probably most of you didn't check out, but I did, called In Fire. Starring Amber Heard. Eduardo Riega and Lorenzo McGovern Z- Zany. And the story is extremely simple. It's about a doctor played by Everheard who travels to a remote plantation to care for a boy who has unexplained abilities. And the folks there believe that all these unexplained abilities is because he's possessed by the devil. It <clears throat> uh it's on this list for a few simple reasons. One, the movie is extremely, extremely boring, despite being a thriller. It's very, very obvious where a lot of things are gonna go. And every time you thinks it's gonna it's gonna get you and change something else, it it just doesn't. The acting it, it's just it's just very very poor in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Amber Heard in particular just cannot handle the accent or having the stage light on her. She's just not ready for prime time, as it were, to really kind of handle this kind of a period piece movie. And it's a very psychological thriller where she's trying to, as a psychologist, try to understand the kid, and there's a lot of back and forth. And when the kid is working circles around the main character, character character-wise, and the villagers around there act crazy and fanatically, and you want something to kind of happen more than something does, and it really ends up just just not working out that that well. It's both over- exaggerating of mo- emotions and severely underplayed in his performances. And together, it just comes down to a very, just very poor experience.
0: This kid, he's supposed to be like the motherfucker from Children of the Corn or something like yeah, that? He's been, like, that's oh. what
1: they think. Okay. And she goes there because she's trying to prove otherwise and things run amok and he, she tries to talk to him and. I've explained, I've given you more detail than the movie is even worth giving.
2: Oh, so so it's like a
1: ripoff of the Omen. Kind, kind, yes. It's basically like Western Omen. (laughs) Uh, It's basically the, uh, which would be kind of interesting if it wasn't so played so, so dryly, so seriously. So it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. And the performances are all over the place.
0: Okay.
1: So that, that's my number nine in fire. It forg- oh, mostly forgettable. And the reason it's as low
0: as it is is because it's mostly forgettable. Okay. And do you now, think, I, uh, real quick, Amber Heard, yeah. do you think she has a future acting wise? I mean, do you think she's got some talent? or I think she's shown some
1: moments, but I do think she needs to really, really look at her life, really look at. Just, A, she needs to get some A, she needs to get some humility that's very important i think now's the time to get some humility maybe do some broadway maybe do some um, smaller stage play stuff really get back into the craft really kind of get more experiences outside of acting cuz I, I she has in the past but i think you know she started getting really really big and that can go to someone's ego very very quickly and mm. i think the best thing she can kind of do now is kind of lay low, show up here, here or there, and basically try and just slowly win back the audience by doing decent things.
0: Okay. What else do you got?
1: Uh, Well, number eight is Fool's Paradise. Okay, Fool's I have seen it Fool's Paradise stars Charlie Day, and it's about a mostly mute gentleman who is taken on the ride as he goes through the veritable factors of Hollywood from eventually coming up to another Charlie Day who is an actor and being told to replace him. And and because of his ability to not speak, he gets roped and replaced and gets taken through all the aspects of Hollywood. This movie is very... It's hard to explain. This one's a little weird. Because at one point, it feels like because Charlie J both directed this and wrote for this. And I can't tell if this was a piss take or an earnest attempt. If this was a piss take, this is a, it's almost, it's almost funny, but it's very, but it would be like funny to friends, you know, or friends you would be in on the joke. And it feels like the rest of us aren't. And if this is a genuine, sincere attempt at satire and, uh, A comedy, it just falls flat and just doesn't work. And I'm and I just can't tell which, because it has elements where both were both apparent, but no matter which one you choose, it doesn't work either way. It's a fascinating little movie, which is why I put it as number eight. Because while it's completely weird and unfunny, and so lifeless, and just it it's somewhat fascinating because of that. And it's almost interesting that... I, it, yeah, this movie's got I, a lot of good talent. It's like, got a lot of great talent. I'm and they, the they, they show up with decent... It, it honestly feels like, hey, Charlie Day, I know, I'm know i in Hollywood now. I can get some people that I know to want to be in my movie. And I don't know what the point of the movie was. But it's interesting. And that alone saves it and allows it to be number eight on my list.
0: This isn't Ray Liotta's last movie, is it? it it's one of...
1: I don't know if it is I his hope, last. But
2: it's I don't, one I don't of know if it, it's one of his last ones. I think I, uh, I think Cocaine Bear might have been the one last ones he filmed before his passing, but I, I might be wrong about that.
0: Oh, I hope this, I it's not the last movie. Be, I really hope so. Maybe end on a on a better note there, huh? I Charlie so. Day directed this, wrote this. I like Charlie Day. I love him. I love him on. It's always sunny. Sure. His, his film career has been not all that great. I loved him in Harbour Bosses. I thought Harbour Bosses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I haven't really. Charlie liked it. Charlie Day. He was the, he
2: was the yeah. only character in horrible bosses I had zero sympathy for. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh. <laughs> hey man, he was getting raped. Man, he's getting sexually <laughs> assaulted. Man, you know, man can get sexually assaulted too, man. True. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but well, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. What are you going to say? Nah, again? it's okay. Uh, uh, do you want to go on the next one? Uh, yeah. Um. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. The person in the comments said, "Fool's Paradise" is at the top of the most disappointing movies of the year. Such a great cast, mm-hmm. and so utterly mm-hmm. lifeless and unfunny. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, Edie Falco, Jason Sudeikis, John Malkovich, Common. It's got uh, a great cast. Kate Beckinsale, yeah, great cast. All right, uh, what is your next movie?
1: Number seven is a movie, I, I think, Josh, I know you saw it with me, is a Hypnotic, the Robert Rodriguez joint, starring Ben Affleck. This is supposed to be a mystery action thriller, and it's just ends up being a confusing kind of a nightmare of special effects weird story and idea concepts that don't quite gel uh both a simple and convoluted plot at the same time and it just none of those elements seem to really come together it wants to be this mystery thriller but it really just ends up kind of being a hot mess
0: Mm. and Yeah. yeah go ahead uh yeah, I saw this movie with you. Um, it's stupid people's Inception. Uh, yes. that's, that's basically what it is. Uh, you know, it's trying to recapture that same thing. Um, also trying to have like a little bit of a like a YA type element on here because it's like people who like are hypnotics, which is like they got like superpowers. It's like people who are like Charles Xavier and yeah. Gray or something like that, where they can like control people and shit like that. Um, so, there's that kind of element in here. And like I said, unnecessarily, all these kind of loops and turns that just don't really make a lot of sense. And then, spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen this movie, this movie tries to end off like I was leaving the theater and then all of a sudden was playing. And it's like, it's trying to set up a sequel. I was like, man, your ass ain't getting no sequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, bro, you ain't getting no sequel. Stop it. Hey, it's, it, just,
2: hey it, it's uh fitting that whole YA aesthetic they're going for.
0: Yeah. So, it's like, come on, man. But yeah, um, Robert Rodriguez directed this. I appreciate Robert Rodriguez kind of, I guess, is stepping out of his normal wheelhouse, you know, mostly doing like, you know, super kid movies or ultra violent, you know, kind of uh, uh, hacky kind of movies, you mm-hmm. know, so it's kind of him stepping out of his element a little bit, but it's kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you need to go back. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Next is number six, Expendables 4. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hated this movie. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, this was a piece of crap. Now we're starting to get into the halfway point of the worst list. Uh, removing most of the ensemble cast, especially mm-hmm. Stallone is barely in it and a really terrible performance by Megan Fox, who just yeah. cannot do what they want. And Jason Tatum could not care less being in this movie.
2: Yeah, he He's the only one really holding this together because everybody else looks like they're just thinking about the house they're going to buy
1: with this check. Exactly, it's just a complete. Uh, it, the action scenes are pretty bad. Uh, are pretty bad. The effects are really mm-hmm. limited, and it just, oh man, it's just a. Uh, I wanted a good action movie, and it couldn't even be that. Mm-hmm. And it, and it had the audacity to cast
2: uh martial arts legends like Ico Weiss and uh, Tony Ja and. Film their fight scenes with about the shakiest, closest camera possible. Uh, yeah. That, it's like, yeah, this is this is the kind of action movie that pisses me off.
1: Six, six, number six on the list. Uh, <laughs> terrible. Don't go see that. Go, there are plenty of other. I would rather watch Silent Night than watch Expendables I, 4 again. I right?
2: audibly, because there's a point where so, Sly is out of this movie for yes. almost two thirds of it. And when he comes back in, I audibly yelled out, Oh fuck you, in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> that got a bigger laugh than anything in the movie.
1: Yeah. so yeah. still was like, look, man, this is my last movie. I don't really oh, want to do fuck these anymore. You.
0: Really? I feel like he is the one that really wants to do these again. Cause like no, what this, is- this is his
1: last one. This is why Jason Statham is like such a major character in this, because oh, oh and like this, oh Spoilers: the the zone is supposed to be killed off, and so then he just shows up later. You're like,
0: oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> no,
2: and then they reveal the circumstances of how it's like, Jesus Christ, you're a fucking serial killer.
1: Yeah, I yeah, know. Oh, yeah, oh my god. Uh, anyways, um, number five is Ant Man and the Quantum Mania. It is for as much decency and pretty good moments as Paul Rudd gives this movie. He can't save this mess mm-hmm. from an ungrateful, uh, from an ungrateful daughter to a bizarre plot between uh, Janet Dine and Bill Murray that kind of undoes all like the romantic aspects of the previous Ant-Man movies to Hank Penn just being thrown to the side and Michael Della is basically doing nothing in this movie to poor. Uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name who's uh, what, uh,
2: Evangeline
1: Evangeline Lid. Evangeline with mine is all not even be in this picture. And the unfortunate aspect of trying to set up as Kang who gets beaten up by ants and the absolute destruction of MODOK and the insult to Mo- a MODOK as a character. This movie is a giant CGI mess mm-hmm. and it just completely crumbles under the weight of its amount of, of just crazy nonsense and mess of a movie that was clearly given plenty of reshoots, different plots, and it just shows a unmitigated mess.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I, I wasn't crazy about this one either, but I think a huge part of that is that the story that they're trying to tell with setting up King, it feels like it's too big for a character mm-hmm. like Ant-Man. Yeah. like Ant-Man works best when he is, you know, uh, no pun intended, very small scale, more personal stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm. this should have been a uh, this should have been a proto Fantastic Four fam exploring the quantum realm and the quantum mm-hmm. realm needed to be scary and lots of mm-hmm. science needed to match. it should have been like a quantum heist movie like mm-hmm. it actually let's go in and get something and hope we don't screw things up that's where Ant-Man works he works when he has a small cast who he works along with mm. um, yeah
0: it's been a it's been a rough year for superhero movies and Oof. Disney. Uh, it's been kind of a rough year there.
1: Yeah. Uh for my number four, it's Wish. When uh this this one kind of broke my heart. Uh mm-hmm. I, honestly I, I wanted a just all they had to do. This was a layup. One hundred years of Disney. Let's make a two D animated movie with all the bells and whistles and make a pretty traditional Disney animated movie. And what we got was a bland, forgettable, unsatisfying movie that causes more problems than uh, I think they expected with the story and script. For songs that feel absolutely reused, which they were, from a previous story to being taken over by other creators and veteran animators leaving this project, this movie, and yet announced as a celebration, this movie was doomed to fail. And the animation just doesn't look finished. It just doesn't look ready for prime time. And it feels it. Yeah. Normally, I wouldn't even rate this high, that high in the list. But the reason it gets number four is it's 100 years of Disney. And this is how they celebrate. This is the movie that's going to try and celebrate everything. What a colossal disappointment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I saw this. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way about it. I thought that it was kind of just bland. I mean, that's Especially kinda worth- after we've seen
1: the boy and the heron and we see what <laughs> real animation looks like. If you're going to celebrate 100 years of what the gold standard used to be, you need to come swinging.
0: Yeah. Um, so, And then you see even from like, you see the trailer here. Uh, see, I can pull back the trade, but it's like from the mm-hmm. studio, they brought you Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast, and yeah. you know, classics that are still watched even now. Yeah, twice, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, twice, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they brought you Beauty and the Beast twice, yeah, uh, <laughs> Lion King twice, yeah, they, Cinderella yeah. three times, yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> all those movies, and then, yeah, for that, you know, yeah, yeah.
1: For uh, number three is well, if you thought Ant Man Quantumania was bad and thought it was a bit messy, here comes the Marvels. <laughs> The Marvels literally feels what a cutting room floor is for an editor. I'm sure there is a two-hour version of this movie that doesn't make it a whole lot better, but at least makes more sense. It Nick Fury has nothing to do with this movie. Carol Danvers, they basically character assassinate her character, what little character she had. Uh, and no matter how much charm... Col- Kamala Khan, the actress who plays her, brings to it can't fix a listless plot that doesn't make a whole lot of sense with a villain that I can't even remember their name. <laughs> uh, if that's not a sign of how far the MCU has fallen, I don't know what is. I'm trying to think of her name now. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to think. on. Uh, can you? <laughs> uh, I do. Think.
1: I want to say. Kierro? Uh, no, I it was a,
2: a Dar-Ben, I think. Oh, hey, ding, ding, thing. ding, oh. ding, Dar-Ben. No,
1: that's, that's, com- that's what it was. <laughs> in the comics, and uh, she's a gender swap version of the comics character who, from what I know, based on some people who talked about it, mm-hmm. had a, have a much bigger um, attachment in the comics and actually is pretty important for a later Cree slash Shi'ar war that later happens in the comics. It sets up a whole different arc. I'm like, well, they're dead now, and it doesn't matter now, so that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> it feels of a of a it, it's just Disney has just been swinging one miss after another, and it's just this felt like a a half literal half baked movie. Mm. Not even a half baked, a quarter baked. It's yeah. still runny.
0: Um but, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like I said. <laughs> rough year for superhero movies, considering mm-hmm. all the things came out. I don't even think this is the worst superhero movie because there's still some other ones that uh, we're going to get into later mm-hmm. um, on my and Nick's worst of and my worst mm-hmm. of here. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it, yeah.
2: It, it's been a rough year for for the superhero for the superhero genre in general. I think mm-hmm. both uh critically and financially. But I think it's less to do with the uh, you know both both the both of the major like comic studios have kind of like run out of steam. It's more that audiences are more discerning about what they're willing to go out and spend their money on in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like the
0: big, yeah, the big
2: hits this year were Barbie and uh Barbie Oppenheimer and the Spider-Verse. It's three mm-hmm. movies that all feel very distinctive. They feel like they are the voice of that director that is working on
0: it. Right. You've got the your boy, Mario. Mm-hmm.
2: That's an Uh, exception.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the reason this is number three on my list is it's not the worst, but it gave Mm -hmm. me... It's the biggest symptom of the problems Mm -hmm. with Marvel right now, where it didn't have any defining features. It just felt like a Mm -hmm. a blob where nothing was gained, nothing was really set up, nothing was really taken advantage of, and ultimately ended on a... kind of on a wet fart... And that's pretty bad in my book, especially when you consider the heights of where mm-hmm. we had left off. Um, Moving past that, I'm, I'm in my top two now. So this is number two. It has to be here. Exorcist the Believer.
2: Oh, I'm right there with you. This is also my number two. I I had lowered, lowered expectations just hearing all the you know, um, mm-hmm. all of the negative reviews about this going into it. And I was also, you know, kind of iffy on David Gordon Green as a horror director. I loved his uh, his first Halloween film back in 2018. And mm-hmm. I've kind of, you know, just kind of felt eh about uh, his Halloween sequels. But here it's taking all the problems with, the, with those movies and putting it into a subgenre that he kind of doesn't really feel like a good fit for.
1: No. Yeah, th- this movie this movie just doesn't work and it's insulting. That's where it gets number 2 on this is the amount of insult it does to the original exorcist movie, the amount that it just wastes the potential of what this could have been. With on the unfortunate thing about this movie too is what's two standout performances between these two young ladies. Mm-hmm. They they uh, they yeah, the, salvage the reason this yeah, isn't two, number one is because yeah, the, of their performances. Yeah, the
2: two kids really salvage this, and I also think Leslie Odom Jr. for mm-hmm. as kind of a nothing script as he is given in this movie, he is giving it as all.
1: Yeah, they save an otherwise completely terrible, reprehensible movie that insults its previous aspects, and I just hate the message of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just so stupid. It's, it, it's so nonsensical. It's.
2: Yeah, for me it's not even that the message itself is stupid. It it's cuz it's like green is obsessed with this idea of of a community overcoming evil. But the which way they it can plays work that, in Halloween. Yeah, which but how they use it here is literally just okay, your religions turned now. Your religions turned now. Was- and here comes the Catholics with the steel chair. Uh,
1: it really did. It felt like a I was like Oh my god! This could have worked as a parody, and I would have been laughing. This felt <laughs> no, like a I, uh, scary I, movie.
2: No, I felt more tense in the scary movie two exorcism scene <laughs> than I did in this
1: with James Woods. And all <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, before I get to my number one, here's just a quick of other dishonorable mentions, just real quick. Uh, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Mm. I mean. I knew from the get go that, moment this titled it wasn't going to be good. And guess what? It wasn't. It was mm-hmm. just a cheap way for now it's in the public domain to make a quick buck. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it made a bit of money. And so they're working on now Bambi and a few other movies.
0: Yeah. I think, and well, I'm sure
1: we'll sequel. see a lot of these movies going in the future.
0: Yeah. I think the director says he's doing a sequel of this. So I think it. he yeah, said. Yeah, I'm sure
1: he. I'm sure he is. He set it up. Yeah, it's a cheap, quick horror movie using public domain characters. That he now, they have now have access mm-hmm. to. Yeah,
2: the and yeah, and this is also this is very high on my list of the worst ofs. But the mm. biggest thing about it is because last year I had a I had, I think it was an honorable mention. I had Terrifier two on that list. Mm. And if you're looking at those two these two movies side by side, you can see you know you can see some similarities between them. Both are very low budget. Both are kind of putting more an emphasis on gore and kills. But with Terrifier, there was an element of care and uh, and uh, passion behind it. With uh, with Damian Leone and with uh, David Howard Art the Clown. Here, this just feels lazy. Yeah, this feels conceptually and uh, in execution, it feels
1: lazy. It does, and it just it, it's just not good. Another dishonorable mention is Knights of the Zodiac. Now, I don't even think any of you guys saw this. I've
2: never even heard of it.
1: Oh my God. So, Nice and Zodiac is an old 1980s anime series, originally then manga. This was a live action version of this. Hmm. And it has Dragon Dragon Ball evolution vibes all over, (laughs) released by Sony, helped by Toei Animation. This movie is just a piece of crap and takes all the (laughs) interesting, fun 80s style. Anime slash um, Greek Greek style vibes that that previous series had, and just breaks it down. It's greatest sin is wasting talents like Sean Bean and a few other actors. This thing is just a piece of crap. And uh, uh, this lead actor, I feel like I've seen him in
0: something before.
1: Yeah, like the the cast is like not bad. It's just a complete waste of a very of a very
0: interesting. I think that lead actor,
2: he's playing Zuko in the uh, in the. No, 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 he isn't. Never mind. No.
0: Not all Asian people look alike, Nick. Damn, man. Come on,
1: man. Yeah. <laughs> nice to the Zodiac, it's just, it's just terrible. It just doesn't do the source material justice. And that was a big shame, especially to a lot of people who uh, Nice to the Zodiac is really big in, which might surprise you, in Brazil. Mm. Yeah, we're looking forward mm. to that, this movie. They've been big fans of it. And I, I can't blame them.
2: Oh, it, oh, the oh—that's where I saw it. This—the uh the lead actor is a uh, Mckeanu Ma- Maeda. He played a—he yeah. played a, a Rorona Zora in the live-action One Piece. Mm. Okay,
1: yeah, he's much better than that. Yeah, he's just not given much to do in this. Honestly, it's just not good. Mm. But it—it's—I didn't care enough to put it on the worst because I already kind of knew it was going to be bad. Mm. But I need to mention it here. And then last but not least, um, is totally killer. It wasn't bad enough to be on my list, but I wanted to mention it anyways because it just had nothing to it.
0: Mm, yeah, I felt the same way about it. Yeah, But I've seen it on it's highly rated. I've seen it on some people's best though.
1: A lot of shit can be highly rated. Doesn't mean it <laughs> is. Uh,
0: yeah, but yeah, totally killer. Yeah,
1: but the, I'm going to end my list with the number one spot. The moment I saw it, it was number one. This is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. My God. What a colossal piece of crap. What a way to destroy a legacy. Whenever someone asks me, should I, should I see the uh, Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny? I ask them just one simple question. Do you want to see Indiana Jones raped? No, don't see this movie. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Do you want to see the characters basically paraded out one last time to be humiliated? No, don't see this movie. Do you want to see a unmitigated mess that has way too much CGI, way too much care as a no characterization and the most bare bones of a story that would make even the simplest Indiana Jones story from young Indiana Jones Chronicles blush? No, don't see this movie. Honestly, for shame to everyone who was involved in this for shame to James, as like for Mangold for making this movie, for shame to Kathleen Kennedy for destroying Indiana Jones' legacy. Shame on all of you.
0: Um with this movie, uh I was had kind of a little bit of hope for it because James Mangold, mm-hmm. I mean, he did a great yeah. send-off with you know Wolverine with Logan, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and that. And then he's done movies like Three Ten to Yuma, which I thought was very good. So I like James Mangold as a director. I think he's he's very good here. And and I think with this, it's you know, it's tough doing a big franchise movie here. And I know he did one with the, the Wolverine um and then Logan, but I think with Indiana Jones, it's a different set. It's just a different thing here Um mm-hmm. with that. And I don't think he had as much rain, I think, uh, with Indiana Jones as he did with Wolverine. Um And, you know, I, I like, you know, Harrison Ford. I mean, like I said in the review, I mean, he's the best. He looks the best in shape 80-year-old man I've ever looked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In a movie, and there's that, and then you also have Boyd Holbrook, who I always love. some Boyd Holbrook, uh, anything he's in. Um, he's like Ben Foster 2.0. Um, I just can't forgive what they did to the characters, the
1: theming, how they handled the story, which ultimately didn't mean a damn thing, and what they did to uh, the character of Mutt, and, and all those aspects. I just can't forgive that, and I don't give a crap if Mangold Gold has made some great movies. He has. But th- in this project uh well congratulations you got your first um you got your first Razzie you get my first um turd from me mm-hmm. hope you wow. make a better movie I really wish to see a uh, better man gold because this yeah. was not a good effort but you know what I'm not gonna complete I I added Kathleen Kennedy that's Kathleen Kennedy to this too because she's the forebearer, she's the holder of the Lucasfilm licenses right now mm-hmm. and she's destroyed she helped destroy Star Wars she helped destroy this
0: yeah, it's just sad to see. Uh, so that was this Uh, top 10 worst films there. Um, and then Nick, get into it with his okay. Uh, so, uh, starting with uh, my number 10 worst of
2: it is uh, The Nun 2. So, with this entire Conjuring mm-hmm. universe, I felt that uh, it started off really strong with both of the Conjuring movies, but then as they expanded and added more of these films about these uh, various icons that they created, like with the the Annabelle doll and with the nun, the first both of them were kind of very just dry, very mediocre, but the sequels have tended to be better. Like uh, Annabelle Creation, I think is a fantastic movie. I really liked Annabelle Comes Home and I was kind of hoping for a similar case with The Nun 2. And kind of... But the biggest sin about this movie is nothing happens for two-thirds of it. The best scares of this are all in the trailer. But the third act of this is legitimately awesome, but it takes way too long to get there. The characters are very dry. I think uh, Taisa Formiga, she is very good in this movie, but <clears throat> she is not given a lot to do. Jump scares you see coming a mile away. It's a subgenre of horror that I've grown very tired of. Um... Moving on to uh, my next entry in this. uh, So my number nine film is a movie I just saw this uh, past weekend. I sadly missed the review for on the show, but it is Aquaman, the lost kingdom, Aquaman, the lost kingdom. It feels like James Wan had an idea of what he wanted to do with the sequel to Aquaman and various studio changes, various uh, infighting with Warner brothers. uh, And just, it feels like this is, eight different versions of the same movie all just kind of mashed in together. It's not really cohesive. There's movie isn't really trying to say anything or add to Arthur Curry's growth as a character. And for this being the last movie of this kind of failed experiment of the DC Extended Universe, this movie is going out on a whimper. i I I've struggled to find anything to care about this movie. The only thing that does work is the dynamic between jason momoa and patrick wilson but you put those two in a room and put a camera on them i'm sure something at least passable will come out of it uh moving on to my next entry we have a movie that is getting some praise and i legitimately do not understand why it is five nights at freddy's it's uh, the adaptation of the video (laughs) game that we reviewed on the show I do not understand how this movie is is getting so much so much uh positive word of mouth. It's just a very just dry, boring, uh just very safe PG13 horror film that has characters that make some of the most baffling decisions possible. It has uh a lead in Josh Hutcherson, who I think he is a very good actor, but he is giving nothing with this character. It's overcomplicating the mythos of the of the five nights at freddy's and it's just dull for almost two-thirds of it and by the time you get to the reveal of who's actually behind everything it's like okay i I, i'm just checking my watch and waiting to waiting to go take a nap
0: the animatronics were cool though i mean uh jim henson creature Yeah, yeah the henson uh production hat. The
2: Henson uh, Creature Shop, they did the practical effects for all the animatronics in this, and those look
0: legitimately great.
1: Yeah. Just not enough of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Matthew yeah. Lillard, he was he was cool. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Yeah, he, there he, are
1: elements that work in this movie, just they work better for fans.
2: Yeah, it, it, there are elements that work better that work in the movie. It's just of something good doesn't make up for 99% bullshit. Mm -hmm. And speaking of bullshit, we have Gal Gadot's latest action film from Netflix, Heart of Stone. It's like you take Mission Impossible and you remove all the personality out of it. You uh, take away all of the chemistry with its main cast. You cast a lead who cannot act to save her goddamn life. And you have uh, Heart of Stone. And what can I say about this movie? It is every single like cliche of the action genre. It has set pieces that look like they were filmed on the about cheapest blue screen possible. I will give it some props with some of the side characters I thought really work well. Um, you have a uh, Matthias Schweighofer who was also in uh, Army of the Dead and was also directed uh, Army of Thieves uh, last year, which I thought was a really fun uh, fun heist film. He's really good at this. Um, what can I say about this? It's it's boring. It's just a dull action movie. It's Action isn't really filmed well. There's technology doesn't really make any sense that they're showing oh, off this. I will give it props where you have a villain turn from Jamie Dornan and it reminds me yeah, yeah outside of Fifty Shades of Grey this dude is a legitimately talented actor. Damn, man! Spoilers, man! Spoiling the movie, man. It's in the trailer.
1: Okay, <laughs> he looks evil. It's fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, next up is uh the Hulu's uh, remake of White Men Can't Jump, uh, starring Uh Cinco Walls and uh, Jack Harlow. It's you. It's another case, uh, very similar to Heart of Stone, where you tip or even um. <clears throat> Another movie you talked about with The Little Mermaid earlier this year where you just take the original movie and you strip it of all of its personality and all of its edge because this feels like a very – this feels like it would have been belonged on ABC Family about how little teeth it actually has. Because there's a subplot where you know one of the characters kind of has a gambling addiction and nothing comes of it. And that was a huge element in the original film with uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Wesley Snipes.
0: Mm, yeah. And we reviewed this movie together and we both reviewed the original White Man Can't Jump and this one together. And yeah, we were comparing and contrasting both mm-hmm. these movies. Um, yeah, and,
2: yeah. And we try not to. We try to not uh, just hold this movie to the same standard as uh, the original film because, you know, every movie, every adaptation is going to do something different from previous. And every single decision that they altered from the original movie just made it worse
0: yeah um and i mean this could have maybe been something you know um this was also we're we gonna Kenyon barris he's he a menace i i finally <laughs> get what people who've been saying he also did one of my worst movies you people this year um uh, eddie murphy um that was also really terrible yeah, yeah he yeah i, he, I
2: forgot about he, that, that one yeah. yeah he also wrote this and uh i think he produced the house party remake that came out last yeah. year yeah
1: um, and he else. did yeah
0: yeah, he did yeah, that, he's a but... goddamn menace. Oh my god, so his fingerprints in right a lot of bad movies. Because he also did, have... he also wrote the "Come Into America" sequel too. Yes. Oh that. my. Yeah. Um, but that was legitimately awful. Yeah. Um, and then this one, yeah. So yeah, but yeah. <laughs> oh, my... oh my god. Yeah, go ahead, there, Nick. <sighs> yeah. Um,
2: uh, moving on to the uh the top five, or I guess the bottom five, the worst of the worst. So number five for me is The Flash, a movie that I think Mm. it's baffling considering how it got made with all of the controversy of its lead star. But besides that, this movie feels like it is just taking the audience and just purely relying on these nostalgia and member berries in order to get some kind of emotional rise out of you. It, Mm. It it, this movie falls apart completely if not for the presence of Michael Keaton's Batman, who I think this is a legitimately great performance from him, and he is the best part about this movie. But when the best part about your movie is another character and not your lead, you have failed as a superhero movie. This movie it doesn't it doesn't give Barry any kind of compelling arc. He like doesn't learn his lesson at all at the end of the movie. He is. Uh, the younger version of his character that you see in the trailer—he is the most annoying protagonist I have ever seen in a movie this year. I wanted to beat the actual shit out of them. Mm. I think. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and it's like Batman works in this, and Supergirl works in this, and ultimately, it doesn't matter because this shit's getting rebooted.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's a big problem with DC right now. Is everything's mm-hmm. getting rebooted? Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the stars have been replaced. Some
0: preferred to have stayed, and some mm-hmm. should have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, um, I think this for me, this uh, the Flash and Aquaman to a tie probably the worst superhero movie of the year. Probably, really, um, I would say so. Um, yeah, just with the Flash, I, I mean, like Nick said, I think the only reason it's not maybe the very worst is because you do have Michael Keaton in it, and they kind of save it in here. Um, and then you also have Sasha Kaye, who's in there. Who, she's only in the last like twenty minutes of the movie. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, what I mean? yeah.
2: her character—they they really waste her. Her character they, is entirely a plot device. Yeah, it, yeah. She isn't a character in this at all.
1: And especially when you consider like what the Flashpoint paradox story is, mm. this is so lame compared to what it was in the both in the comics and in the animated movie, which did a fairly decent, pretty good mm. job. Of cap, trying to capture most of that. Yeah, story.
2: and yeah, and a lot of fans, the animated movie is actually the better version of the of the comic story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cut a lot of crap out.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm one of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what you got next for us, Nick?
2: Okay, so next is uh, you know, Zack Snyder's latest uh latest half epic, because of course he's got to release his four hour rated R directors cut, his uh, you know, uh Moon is gray cut. Mm-hmm. And it is Rebel Moon. It is take everything you love about Star Wars, add about, you know, take away all of the cool stuff in Star Wars, like, uh, you know, the dynamics between the characters, uh, this, uh, this fresh new uh, world that you see, a lot of the practical effects behind it, uh, this like common, this very simple story about good versus evil, and just make it 90% characters ex- expositing their backstories, uh take add slow-mo every like 0.2 and a half milliseconds for no reason um shoot all of the action up close so grainy you can't even see what's going on which is really disappointing considering that action used to be one of the things that Zack snyder was good at as a director and you have rebel moon this movie it is its biggest crime is that this movie is so long and it is so fucking boring <laughs> it's like none of the characters have any kind of screen presence. Uh, Sophia Batella, she is a very talented actress, but I do not think she has the chops to carry a movie. I think she works mm-hmm. best as a supporting player.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were when me and Josh were uh, talking about this movie. That was pretty much exactly what I was saying too, because uh, we we both agreed. We I thought she was both stunning and just mm-hmm. just stunning. She's a beautiful woman. Oh. And her talents as a dancer, as well as an actor, were much better served in um, Kingsman.
2: Yeah, Kingsman, uh, freaking uh, um, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, oh, Star okay. Trek Beyond.
1: She's she works movie. as a great side. It's yeah. a good enhance. I
0: don't know. The only time I've ever seen her as a lead that worked was the movie Climax, but that kind of worked oh. for her mm-hmm. element because that was yeah, like that. that- dancer movie
2: yeah that, yeah that yeah climax is more uh more of a musical anyway so mm-hmm. it kind of really fits her skill set but here she's asked to uh you know give a lot of uh monologues but all of them are just exposition about her backstory that you know you know would have been cool is if you actually showed that instead of just you know giving us
1: this flashbacks yeah. these, yeah. Uh, this movie these is just- very long slow motion flashbacks yeah, this movie is very. I said it in the review, this movie is very tell, don't show. Mm. What you got, Nick? Yeah, right?
2: which Zach, I guess Zack Snyder took the wrong lesson from Star Wars. Yeah. Uh next. Uh, next up is a movie we talked about earlier, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, uh, Blood and Honey. Uh, this is everything that is wrong with uh, kind of crowdfunded funded uh, indie horror, where you have a movie like Terrifier Two, where it is made with such passion, made with such a uh, love behind the craft of making the special effects and a fantastic uh, villain performance from David Howard Thornton. You take all the personality out of a movie like that and you have this. This is just very lazily cobbled together for a quick buck. And those are the movies I hate the most. And it isn't even fun on on a horror level because the kills, they're very just dry, very boring. They don't utilize the iconography of Winnie the Pooh. It is just It is just any... Take any uh, generic slasher movie villain and you have this. What else you got? And last but not least for my worst movie of 2023 is Expendables fucking (laughs) 4. This piece of goddamn dog shit. This movie absolutely... The Expendables was kind of like a fun experiment of the 2010s. It's let's get all of these uh, kind of aging action stars together in a movie and let's have them go out on one last ride. Let's pay tribute to the movies of their glory days. And for the first one, it's like fine, I guess. It's kind of a fun novelty. And they just keep beating that dead horse down with Expendables 4, kind of taking out all of the – a majority of the original cast because I guess, you know – they said no. Yeah. <laughs> and and removing all of that, filming the taking away all of the charm of that and putting it into the hands of of a character in Lee Christmas who you just took any Jason Statham character and you have him here. But he doesn't have anybody to play off of because he is more of the uh, solo lead. He gets separated from the team for a majority of the movie, and that removes all of the charm from it. And you also shoot action from guys like Ico Weiss and uh, Tony Jaa, and you and you could never tell that these guys are professional martial artists. You could never tell that they have made some of the greatest action movies of the 2000s with uh, you know stuff like Ong Bak and The Raid and The Night Comes for Us. You would never know that. Mm. Yeah, I'm done talking about this movie. Fuck this piece of shit.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know, like I think it wasn't it within the third Expendables where the jet lead goes like, yeah, I'm not coming back. You know, even <laughs> then in the movie, he's like, hey, you Fuck gonna be you. back? He's like, oh, I don't think no. so. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you can make short jokes about somebody else. You make short jokes about Jason Statham now, I guess. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm out of here. This. Wow,
1: and I uh, thought my I thought my my comment about Indiana Jones was harsh. Well done, sir.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it, uh, it is the time—the only time this year I have audibly screamed, yelled at a movie. Just oh, fuck you! That
1: it earned it. It did earn it.
2: It. I don't get emotional about movies, but this one pissed me off.
0: Mm, mm, uh, um. All right, so it's just my list. Like I said, there's going to be some crossover here, so I won't go too much into depth. But there's some movies that weren't on you guys' list. Some movies that I saw. Uh, and I'm making it. Uh, but yeah, let's start with my dishonorable as uh Gus names it. And my first uh, dishonorable pick where I'm going to go bottom top is the angry black girl and her monster. Oh, um, yeah, this one. And this movie we reviewed. it. It's an Amazon yeah. Prime. No, it's a shutter movie. It was uh, shutter.
1: And then Shudder. it eventually came mm-hmm. to Hulu and Netflix.
0: Yeah. Uh, shutter original film. And I wanted this to be good. I think the concept mm-hmm. is good, um, especially after seeing this year we had another Frankenstein reimagining with Poor Things, mm. which is a, a kind of Frankenstein reimagining but told from kind of a feminist kind of lens. And with this, it's like okay, you could have told a Frankenstein retelling from a black, uh, you know, type of lens there, and it's done in the most ham-fisted way possible. It, it kind of feels like after I haven't seen the movie yet, but looking at the trailer for something like American Fiction, it's like it looks mm-hmm. like something that would be a like a trailer like. The writer would be writing for that. In, it's kind in of like movie.
2: a. It's kind of like a parody inside of like a movie, pointing out like the, satirizing a lot of the tropes of uh, black media.
0: Yeah, mm. and this is this is written by a black person, directed by a black person. I'm happy to see them. You know, uh, him. Mm-hmm. You know, write, write this movie and get it up off the ground and make it, um, which is good. Uh, but I just feel like, man, it's just it's, it's so heavy handed. Like I said, you you have a lot of things here that could work, and the concept of it, but it's just the it's. It's Spike Lee, kind of. feels like at his worst elements here, of like mm-hmm. when he does sometimes some stuff where it's just like, okay, just so you got to get it. I got to really, point, I got to look in the camera and tell no, you I'm, what it is.
2: No, I wouldn't insult Spike Lee like that. This mm. is more Kenya Barris.
1: Mm. Kenya Barris, man, or Tyler Perry.
0: It, you know, it's like, yeah, man. There
1: was a moment in this movie where the movie stopped for a good minute, and she, uh, one of the characters, took out a book and talked about uh, the. On how, um,
0: oh my God, it was it was like, Malcolm yeah. X, and she was just looking and then saying that they don't want you to, you know, read this stuff in schools, and they try to hide the information. Again, could have been weaved into the story in a much better way, and it's it's a shame. I don't want to shit on the movie too much, but mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, I just like, come on, man. I think I think you can just do better on that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that was my number five there. Uh, number four uh, for dishonorable mentions. Uh, I'm gonna go with the movie Renfield. Winfield was moving Nicholas Cage uh, mm-hmm. and Nicholas Holt and again setup is good you, okay you're, you're taking the Dracula story you're coming at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. this time you're gonna do it where it's focusing on mainly the assistant of Dracula Winfield and the way they approach it like it's like a it's like a domestic abusive relationship you know mm-hmm. like you know what if you kind of took that aspect on it but then the movie gets ruined by they bringing in this fucking crime gang story with Aquafina, and she's a cop and she's trying to take down this cartel. I I don't give a fuck about this. I don't give a fuck (laughs) about these cops or this cartel or whatever this gang. Yeah. Uh, And
2: it doesn't help that, uh, a, she is kind of playing that very typecast Aquafina role. And B you have Ben Schwartz who plays the, uh, like cartel villain. And it's one of his weakest performances I've seen in his entire career.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's him doing it because if you've seen him in anything, his comments. If you've seen Parks and Recreations, he's John Ralphio. I mean that's basically what he's doing. It just he's doing that character to the max here. Um, the action scenes uh, to see him kind of do a lot of stuff. I hate CGI blood. It's a lot of kind of mm-hmm. CGI. It just looks like kind of like Kool Aid or uh, you know something like that kind of going around and that's not threatening at all. That doesn't look mm-hmm. kind of scary. Um, and and yeah, so this was just kind of disappointing and in a waste of hey Nicolas Cage is Dracula. I mean, you know, I mean, how many people were into that? You know, you saw some photos of him.
2: Yeah, the best thing about this movie is the is the abusive relationship with Nicholas Holt and uh, Nicholas Cage, and it doesn't play a big enough role in this movie.
0: Yeah, which is which is
1: what I was there to see.
2: But it (laughs) but it does have one of my favorite closing jokes of like, uh, it's like the uh, support group that they go back to after they bring him back from the dead. It's like you know, and things you can't unsee. And yeah.
0: and he's completely like, kind of, that,
2: got, that got a laugh out of me.
0: Yeah, just undoes all that death. Like everybody just comes back to life at the end. Like it feels like in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where except it's real this time. Except he's oh, it's like a, oh, it's like a
2: oh, it's like a Muppet Christmas Carol and Tiny Tim who did not die.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's like, hey, we're all good. We just had some of the Dracula blood that can basically just do anything and just bring us back. It's like yeah, okay, bring well. us back
2: from the dead, and you know, you know, things you can't forget or unsee. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but that was a good moment. Though. I thought the support group stuff I thought was good. I thought that was good. Um, next movie, uh, is this is number three on my list is the Meg two. So the Meg two is a sequel leading up to uh, after the Meg. Um, in the first Meg, I was mediocre on. I was like, well, hey, it's Jason Statham, big shark, whatever he's fighting.
2: The Meg is a very fine B movie. It, it it's I feel the same way I do about that as I do Godzilla versus Kong. I got exactly what I wanted out of a movie
0: of Jason Statham fighting a giant shark. Yeah. Um, is, Except this time with the sequel, it's like, ain't enough of the shark. We came for the shark. I <laughs> mean, that, that, that's the main attraction here. And I feel like we didn't really get a lot of that. And I did this review with Marley from Marley Little's Film. Shout out to him and his channel, The Real Loves Podcast. Yeah, we did this and it's like, yeah, yeah. it's just like a lot of the shark is like, it's not here. It's supposed to be you know like that's the whole big element in here, and they try to add in something with corporate corporate espionage and two these two <clears> uh, competing companies going against each other. It's like again, I don't care about none of that. I'm here for the shark, that's what I'm here for. I don't hear about these characters fighting over business or who's gonna get some patent or some something they were fighting over mm-hmm. um so that was the I me mean, it's like yeah that, that's what I mainly came up, but there's some g- good scenes here, like the underwater scene mm-hmm. that's pretty tense where they do that it has, and it has some- one of it has one of the gnarliest
2: death scenes I've ever seen in one of these. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like this scene right here. If anybody's seen the movie, I think it's on Max now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if anybody's seen it, like the, somebody's head just pops just like yeah, that, and explosion. Yeah, that that was pretty good. I like that. There's some good deaths in here. Um, you also have another character in here, uh, the the Asian guy who Jason Statham is with. Who basically, I mean, it's almost like his movie too. It's almost like they <laughs> kind of have to split the movies because hey, hey, we got also go to China. Hey,
2: it's reminding you that this is co funded by by a Chinese studio. Oh,
0: if the right. first one didn't do it for you. Yeah, it's like, hey, listen, we want more of our people in here. You better, you better film this motherfucker. It's like I wouldn't be surprised if there was another cut in China where they just cut out Jason Statham entirely. It's just him. It's just this. Just, just It's just this dude. It's like don't even know people don't even know Jason Statham is in this fucking movie. They go like, who? Jason Statham? What the fuck are you doing? And Jason Statham, of course, is. I mean, he's gonna be Jason Statham. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as always, uh, with a lot of movies, he's gonna be in. And we're gonna see a movie with him coming up in January where he's gonna be the beekeeper. It's like it's mm-hmm. fucking Jason. You might as well just call the shit just Jason <laughs> from Project <laughs> Number Five. Yeah. You know what it, I mean? Of like course. Him. And I'm looking forward to that, but it's David
2: Ayer, so I know he's gonna fuck it up some way, yeah. somehow.
0: My uh, another dishonorable mention: a guy that's kind of been on a little bit of a losing streak lately. Mm. Taika Waititi. Next Goal Wins. Um, this was a based on a you know real life true story about the American Samoa uh, soccer team you have michael Fassbender in his um i don't think i've seen an actor have like one really good movie and then one bad movie back to back probably you know what i mean <laughs> eddie murphy with norbit and dreamgirls uh where he cuz immediately when this movie the same week it came out he also had the killer come out uh mm-hmm. the david fincher movie um yeah so this movie tekwati i know he's kind of you know he gets a lot of hate now um mm-hmm. people kind of turn on with thor love and thunder people were really disappointed in that um, I didn't hate the one Love with Thunder. I didn't think it was that good, but I didn't hate it. And then, but I think I do like some of his humor. I guess his humor is it depends on if you're in the mood for it. If you're not, like Jojo Rabbit, I liked uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, I liked um, uh, his first Thor movie, Ragnarok. I think that's one of the best MCU films. But this is just I don't think there's anything. It's every lame kind of sports story here. There's, you know, like we talked about every beat that a romantic comedy is going to hit. This mm-hmm. hits every beat that a, a sports comedy is going to hit there. Um, there's some kind of okay scenes like, you know, Michael Fassbender being a drunk, and a, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's some comedy that kind of comes out of it there. I have heard things about people who have said this movie's kind of transphobic here. Um, I can't really speak on that too much all that much, but I heard some people kind of complain about that with it. Yeah, but I don't think you're, you're, mm. you're not missing anything by not seeing mm. this. This is yeah, yeah. yeah this such movie, a forgettable movie.
2: Yeah, it, it is very forgettable. There is one segment, I think towards the end where, uh, it's like the main, uh, like guy who owns the soccer team is like really desperate to get at least one goal before, uh, for the, you know, organization gets disbanded and he's getting recalled the story of the game by his son. Mm. And I thought that segment was actually really funny.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty decent. Beyond scene. that. Yeah. And I it, thought and it. I thought the actress he usually works with, because she was also in Ragnarok and Hunt for the Wilder mm-hmm. People who's the wife of the owner of the team the American Smoke. I thought she was kind of funny. I thought she had a funny line, because he doesn't seem stupid, but he, somebody draws titties on his face. Like he makes a bet that if they lose the game, somebody they all gonna draw titties on his face, and he does. <laughs> and then um she says, like, why do you have titties on your face? It's like, you know, somebody drew it on me. So and then she says that. You know, uh drawings is the next step to the real thing and something like that. The way she delivered it was mm-hmm. kind of funny. Um, now uh my number one on my uh dishonorable list. Now, this really is a movie I'm the most disappointed in this year. A movie I was kind of looking forward to. It's Silent Night, uh John. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I was this was this this one broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, me and Dust reviewed it. Um this yeah, broke my heart. Really, dis- yeah. I think this is the most disappointing movie of the year. Uh, simply because, yeah, it's John Wu, legend- legendary filmmaker, hard-boiled, A Better Tomorrow, you know, classic. And this is him. This is his big return to American cinemas again, doing something. Um, his movies inspired so many of the modern action movies we have today. And then with this, it's kind of like, eh, it's just okay. I mean, it's nothing that you wouldn't see on any other streaming service of action movies that we've gotten now. Um, and actually, a lot of streaming services have a lot of like we Netflix with Extraction, uh, mm-hmm. there, and like other Netflix kind of films like Kate or Gunpowder Milkshake or something. It's kind of feels like something in that vein, and you expect John Wu to take it a step above and to go above and beyond, uh, with that, with his legacy, uh, with his kind of legendary uh, filmography, and he just kind of doesn't. Um, Joel kenneman you know, I think he can work as an action star. I mean, we sent him on the Suicide Squad movies. And there's some decent action scenes in here, like yeah. the car chase scenes is good. Yeah. The car chase scene, the initial fight scene
2: uh, after he spent basically a year preparing for this revenge mission, I thought was really good. And Kinnaman, he actually did most of most of his own stunts for this, and I thought yeah. that worked really well. But the whole gimmick of this is a movie without any spoken dialogue, I get it for Joel Kinnaman's character, but it doesn't really make any sense for every character in the movie to not have any dialogue.
0: Yeah, this- no personality, and that's there, what me and Desmond, yeah, it really came down to that because you could have had
1: Joel Kinnaman not say anything, and that's fine. And he works as a silent Avenger, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, and he's completely driven with minimal, you can have a move with minimal dialogue, but they need to have a, a more personality. Mm-hmm. And that was and the and Christmas, you're gonna have it over Christmas, it's gonna be silent night. It's not enough Christmas in there,
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah you that need was... to
1: strangle someone to death with tinsel wire. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: wanted more violent night with death. I did.
1: I did. Yeah. If you're gonna
0: call it silent night, I want violent night.
2: Yeah, and violent night fucking rules. Go watch oh. that instead. Garbage. Um
0: tree. yeah. So we get into my official worst of list here. So number 15. Uh Insidious, the red door. Um, as Nick mentioned with his movie The Nun 2, how that was completely boring. This shit is completely boring. Uh, <laughs> like this shit is just—I mean, listen—you you can have, you can pump up the budget a little bit. I know, you know, we talked about overinflated budgets, but damn, at least they have something going on. I don't want to see no fog machine. Um, I don't want to see fucking Darth Maul come out and somebody like, come <laughs> on, do something, some some happen. And with this, a part of the Insidious here, and this was, you know, watching this at first, this was my first Insidious movie. I never seen mm-hmm. any of the other ones before, uh, so it was kind of interesting to kind of look into it um and i reviewed it with bradley martin from us.net and nathan flynn from oneofus.net um and nathan flynn he was the big of course he is he was a big insidious guy he had watched mm-hmm. bullshit movies before and then <laughs> um yeah you know he was telling me a little bit about it but it, it's basically you know you have this kid he's got kind of like the shining it's basically like the shining ability he, he can cross over to the other side and see all these different ghosts and everything and he has to battle these ghosts uh but the way it's kind of done is just it's just not interesting at all and I don't know. Maybe if I saw the other previous movies, maybe I'd had a little bit more investment mm-hmm. of it, uh, investment in things. But I just didn't really care, kind of what was happening in this. It was a lot of you know a lot of jump out scares, kind of type of thing. Cheap, kind of like you know there. You see him, yeah, when well, he's there, when well, he's in the dorm. Look at that, you know, just fog machine kind of going on. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Um, but yeah, um, and then you know these lead characters, like you have the son here who isn't really that interesting. They try to offset it by his roommate, who's the the girl in here. Who you know, she brings a little bit more personality into it, but yeah, it's just I, I just thought that overall this was so dull. Um, I didn't really think there was that much interest in there. Did you guys see Insidious the Red Door?
2: I I missed it. And oh. I was kind of looking forward to this one because I am a fan of Patrick Wilson as an actor. This was his uh his directorial debut.
0: Yeah. And that oh yeah, as you mentioned that. Yeah, that's a shame for him, man. Directorial debut. Dust, what about you?
1: No, I didn't see I didn't see this.
0: Okay. Um now I'm gonna move on to my 14th one. Now, this is when we already talked about playing it already. Five night at Freddy's Five Night Freddy's. Yeah. I mean, this was also a waste of time. Uh, but the animatronics, <laughs> they look good. They they look good. Jim creature shop. That was awesome. Uh Matthew Lillard. It's always good to see Matthew Lillard. He's fun. You know, he has a good time with things. Uh, so that, that was good for him. Uh, let's see. So uh that was my 14th, number 13, movie that we've already talked about a lot already Exorcist Believer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I hate it as much as you guys, but I don't think it's that strong of a movie. David Gordon Green, I don't know. I guess he's going on this this run now. Where he's going to take every horror franchise and and redo it in his own vision. I guess next up is going to be uh uh you know uh uh Nightmare on Elm Street. He's going to do Freddy Krueger. I'll keep him the fuck away from Please. Freddy Krueger. No, you know? no, no, it's okay because then he going to be possessed by two different people because that's what he did <laughs> to Exorcist. William Freakman's coming for his ass. you know like so I don't know if that's what he's going to do like this thing And like you said he's obsessed with this whole idea about community and you know how horror can you know change people and turn them evil and you know everything and there's some elements about this movie I kind of like like some of the performance Leslie Odom Jr. I like in here Um, I do like the idea of going to all these different religions and examining their rituals and practices for you know their versions of exorcism. So I thought that was kind of get them
2: all together and have them do it one at a time. That's just dumb.
0: That mm. is just dumb. Uh, you know, them, you know, they
2: it, it did have one good moment in that where you have like the Catholic priest who couldn't get uh authorization from the church and Odom just like knocks on his car window, hey, fights in there. Mm.
1: <laughs> that's
2: yeah. that's a that's a good moment in an otherwise just baffling scene.
0: Mm, yeah, like you said, it's treated like you know, it's like Macho Man Randy Savage and <laughs> you know Hulk Hogan teaming <laughs> here, up. Here comes the
2: here comes the Catholic Church with the steel chair. Oh no, he's
0: down. Yeah, and the, the girls, you know, them doing the job of the possessed. I think they they did all right, you know. But it, it follows all the legacy sequel things of like we got to bring back the old members of the old cast, got to reference them. Yeah but, back, yeah, but the way know. they do
2: it here, it's insulting. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. it, it,
2: it uh, It's just a baffling decision. And I'm wondering, what the hell did David Gordon Green and Jason Blum have on Ellen Burstyn to get her to come back to this? With check. this script. I
0: mean, I mean, hey, checks, man. I mean, what else she doing? I mean, <laughs> you know, don't disrespect to her, but it's like it's not a lot of roles for older women in, in Hollywood. So you guys like, yeah, sure. Fuck it. I'll do it again. Um, All right. So my number uh 12 movie. Uh, is Rebel Moon Zack Snyder? Uh, Part One: Children uh, of Fire. Part One: A Child of Fire. A child uh, of fire. The Child
2: of the uh you know studio approved cut from the studio that you know made four three hundred and sixty five days movies, three tall girls, two uh, uh sorry three kissing booth movies. Uh,
0: gave Ryan Murphy uh
2: like twenty series deal.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um, my issue with this movie, I mean, we when, when you really look at it as you know stuff that Nick mentioned before. Um, it's just mainly it's all just setup. I mean, think about it. It's just it's like it's like watching Dungeons and Dragons and then them cutting the movie off if they just get the mage and then they like, okay, well, see you part two. We're gonna fight the villain. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you, you, you we just got started. Yeah. It's
2: like it's like if you remade Dungeons and Dragons and you cut it off right as they run into uh into Reggie John Page's
0: character. And you just yeah, cut no, it right yeah. there. Um, Because that's all this movie is, just assembling the team. That's basically all this is. Even in A New Hope, they did something. I mean, something mm-hmm. got accomplished. They, you know, went to the Death Star. They did this. They faced the main bad guy. You know what I mean? It's like, they did something. Here, here it's like, what did they, you really they do?
2: They did have the time. Yeah, it's like, you didn't even face the main bad guy in this. You sent his fucking lackey, which, you know... A, no, I'm sure Ed Screen is a talented actor, but can he play a character with some kind of personality?
1: Instead of I mean, just be evil Nazi man.
0: Yeah. I mean, his personality, I mean, it's like Sophia Battel, where a lot of his personality is his look. It's his face. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a very, you know, no offense, a handsome guy, Nazi face. You know, he's got a very, you know what I mean, evil dictator kind of face to him. And even when he was in Deadpool, um, you know, he, looks hella, he looks hella Aryan. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, but he does a lot of things that kind of you know, sucks his teeth kind of acting, where he kind of sticks out his tongue, sucks his teeth, like, yeah, okay, like, you know, you tell him information, but you can just tell, you can read his mind, it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, just shut the hell up and just tell me what to do so I can go do it, you know what I mean, he's just got that kind of, but, he, you know, he's got a good look to him, uh, but, again, acting ability, I don't know if, like you mentioned, like, that's the same complaint I had with Sofia Butella and this is like, I don't think she has necessarily all that to really carry a franchise, if you're saying, hey, you're gonna be the lead of my franchise, a big you know sci-fi franchise I was like I don't think she has necessarily the talent to to really do that um which was which was a thing um all right so I'm going to move on to my next movie here my number what is this number 11 here and that is Peter Pan and Wendy uh and that was on Dustless as well mm-hmm. Peter Pan and Wendy just really ugly looking movie um mm-hmm. really just kind of gray and muted um type of style there uh, again <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, looking at all the movies because we went over, I went over with Hunter when we did the whole news story about Disney not having a billion dollar uh, mm-hmm. movie this year and when you look at their movies that they kind of came out this year for them, all this yeah. shit a lot of this shit y'all is fucking
2: really, yeah, y'all don't really fucking deserve it if you're putting out this shit like a
0: hundred years like y'all should have y'all should have waited y'all should have paused maybe like say oh this is a i don't know a leap year or some shit wait till the Let, next let's year. cancel <laughs> a lot of this crap <laughs> you yeah, know some shit y'all should have just waited because it's like if this is you coming out for the hundred years like that's a damn shame um and this was another example of that um yeah peter pan i'm not even i'm not saying this like i don't even super love peter pan like that i'm not saying that as a fan of that but like the boy and the heron that was a better Peter Pan movie than this. Yeah. Like I I brought that up. Like this is a that was a much better better Peter Pan movie uh than this was. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then you replace Tinkerbell. Um, you had uh Ashes there. It's like you don't even do anything with Tinkerbell. Um, you just she doesn't even talk through most of the movie. Uh, shame there. So yeah. Um yeah, yeah, terrible movie there. Uh all right. So my next movie is uh a movie that Dusk also mentioned, Hypnotic. Uh Hypnotic. Like I said, it's basically it's lame ass inception. Um <laughs> you know, that's that's basically what it is. They're trying to bring up that same kind of similar style. Inception plus a YA movie plus X-Men. You know, it's that kind of same kind of thing going on. And like I said, them trying to tease a sequel at the end. I'm like, bro, you ain't getting no sequel. Stop <laughs> so, you know, you you that's not happening. Uh Ben Affleck, uh, I'm trying to think of the last great Ben Affleck movie I saw. What was cause he's been on kind of a cause it was this. Um, it was what was that movie where he was a a cuck in it? What was that? Well, he got blue oh, balls. Uh,
2: oh, freaking! Uh, <laughs> oh, um, uh, dark waters.
0: No, uh, deep waters. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, like, what, it was deep, something
2: deep, like that. Deep yeah. waters
0: or something with that. Is and then he had blue balls. without all of it. <laughs> He's getting cucked
2: by Ana de Armas.
0: <laughs> He's getting cucked, and I was like, "What the hell is this, man?" I was like, "This is a white Tyler Perry movie." That's that's <laughs> really funny though. That movie, is, um,
2: that movie is terrible, but it's fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, this is kind of like you know. Ben, I, I like Ben Affleck, talented actor, really talented actor. Um, yeah. But then this, but this just ain't it. And I, you know, and I just feel like yeah, this style and William Fichtner, who's usually a good bad guy in a lot of stuff, um, he was kind of wasted here. Like just mentioned, like super convoluted plot for no reason, trying to do twists and turns. It's like yeah, this 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 is just a waste of time here. Um, so yeah, that, that was that was hypnotic. Um, my number, let's see here. That was my number 10. So number nine. I'm interested to see if you guys have seen this movie before. Let me pull up the trailer for it. Have you guys seen The Mother? Have you seen that? The
1: mother did. we did a review uh, on it. No, I missed this one.
0: Okay, so the mother. Yeah, so you
1: you Josh and you and me, we did the review about with that.
0: Yeah, so it's a Jennifer Lopez movie, it's a Netflix film um as nick mentioned we just you know he talked about another Netflix film heart of stone with gil godot i'd be interested to see this one and heart of stone to see which one is better i'd be interested to kind of compare these movies but i would you rewatch really watch it um it's an assassin movie it's your typical kind of assassin type story here uh that's jennifer lopez i think she did do the training for it you know she did the thing we see actors sometimes when they play roles of assassins and everything they go to the you know, sometimes like John Wick Keanu Reeves, he'll go to the shooting range, you see him do the two guns and then do all that stuff. I think she did do this for that. And of course, Jennifer Lopez in great shape. Looks great, amazing. Um, that's always impressive. Uh, but it's just not that interesting of an action movie. Not I don't I didn't get that all that invested in the story. Um uh, you know, Jennifer Lopez, I don't think she's strong enough for a, a movie like this. Um waste um what's this, that actor's name who was um in uh, Werewolf by Night. Uh,
2: yeah. Oh, uh, Guy Garcia Bernal.
0: Yeah, he's in this. It's a waste of him completely in this. Aw, man, yeah, waste that guy too. Yeah. Um. So it's a super. Oh, waste. you wasted
2: him. All right. Yeah. Fuck this movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. They they waste they waste his ass. Yeah. Um. So it's just not exciting. I mean, even as on Netflix, it's like, hey, I want to watch something. Maybe turn my brain off real quick. Enjoy a good shoot 'em up. This ain't even good for that. It, it's a completely waste of a film for that. Uh. So that was my number nine pick there uh oh, let me get this off real quick all right and let's see my number eight is a movie that does had uh aquaman and the lost kingdom um yeah this movie we just reviewed just recently um like i said i think this and the flash are tied for my two of the worst films of the year uh i mean worst superhero movies of the year tied for there uh i think this is a, like nick mentioned sad note for the bcu to go out on um especially after seeing the first one which was such a massive success it's like a mm-hmm. shame you couldn't build up off of that it was a billion dollar movie yeah and it and, was a surprise and,
2: and it's so weird that the studio's hands feel like so much like they are involved in this movie when the first one made a billion dollars you figured like that'd be assigned to okay let's let james Wan do what he wants with this
0: yeah. I mean, usually if you do a billion-dollar movie, you get kind of carte blanche to kind of go around, do what you want to do. It's like, hey, I mean, you get the keys. You, you do what you want. You made a billion-dollar, but then now there's this whole big shift happening in D.C. James Gunn is taking over. Um, I'm excited for that. I'd, I'd like to see what mm-hmm. James Gunn you know, will do with that and see if he can be the Kevin Feige for D.C., guide them into the right direction and into the future. We'll see. Or at, uh, or at a bare minimum, get a
2: Superman that actually looks like he enjoys saving people.
0: Yeah, yes. You know, he doesn't have a look on his face like, here you go, all right. Like, you know, Ugh, like, such like, a
1: burden. Far.
2: <laughs> I have to save these goddamn kids in this bus. You
0: uh, know, here you go. So yeah, so hopefully, but yeah, and I with Aquaman Lost King, I did like him and Patch Wilson teaming up. I did like that. Um, yeah, I'll do when teams, it was a waste to him. I mean, he's such a talented actor, um, but he just plays, "Hey, I'm bad guy. I want to kill Aquaman. I'll do whatever it takes to kill Aquaman." Uh, but that's about oh, it. it.
2: it is a generic scene chewing performance, but I'd be lying if it wasn't entertaining. Yeah. Um. So it's just, I love that line. It feels like pulled straight out of the Silver Age. It's like first you steal his kingdom, then his woman. Aquaman, shame <laughs> on you.
0: And I do like the way I like comic accurate costumes. So they, I mean, I do think this is a movie not afraid of the comics. I do like how they. Spend most of the time in Atlantis and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, but then it gets like Star Wars, like where they go to fucking Canto Bite and they go to all this other shit. Like, like, like. Right, okay, um, so yeah, that was uh, my number eight film. Number nine film is a movie we've talked about heavily already. I won't go too much into depth of it because we've spoken about it already. But Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Yeah, um, just it's like, hey, just because you can does do something doesn't mean you should. And just because the IP is available now, Winnie the Pooh doesn't mean you should do a Winnie the Pooh lame ass. Low budget horror movie with it, and if you're going to do that with all these type characters now that are getting to the IP now, like Steamboat Willie, uh, that yeah. isn't care, like, don't do no fucking R rated horror movie, Steamboat Willie, where he's like, it's like the last voyage of the Demeter, where he's going around hacking and slashing motherfuckers on a boat or some shit, you know, don't like at least, you know, be kind of creative, at least do something with it, you know. Um and and kind of do something fun with
2: it. And also, how the hell is like the like 2018 Christopher Robin movie, how are their Winnie the Pooh characters scarier than they are in this?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I mentioned like because it's basically it's dudes in a costume. But I was like, I mentioned in the review, like, what if you had like the little teddy bear actually from Christopher? What if he (laughs) was going around? Like that'd have been more fun, you know? Yeah, that that little motherfucker was scary. That would require a budget. <laughs> you know, and then I don't know. Couldn't you have done something like that? And also, they don't even talk in the movie, so you don't even get to hear the voices of the characters. You don't Hello, get to hear... father. Yeah, I was like, at least have the voices of the characters. At least that that would have been kind of fun if you if you did some stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, you didn't even bring that to it. It's just dudes wearing a you know wearing the poo mask and running around. It's like, oh okay, all right. You know, uh, that's about it. Um, a n- movie that uh my number six pick movie that Nick mentioned uh, that he had on his list already. Uh, White man can't jump uh yeah white man can't jump like i said kenny bears this year he's a fucking menace um <laughs> you know what i mean and the stuff it that he's kind of had um that he's had his hands in this year I, he's gonna also come up on my list again now he just wrote this movie he didn't direct it mm-hmm. um and what makes this movie so bad is you know it's a lot kenny bears will do this in a lot of his projects i see like i don't watch blackish or Grownish or mixed Dish, which is mm. his show which is a huge success i mean it spawned two spinoffs um it's on abc it's like I guess one of the modern day Cosby type show I guess with Blackish I've never seen it myself but he does a lot of racial humor in it which isn't uh, mm-hmm. bad if you know how to do it and you know how to write it here in this and we when we were doing this movie like we mentioned we also reviewed the original movie with w- Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrison. there was racial jokes there too but with this movie it feels like it's every 2 minutes it's like I'm black and you're white and I, you're black and you're white it's like I get it you you a black motherfucker he a white motherfucker I get it Okay, I, I don't have to ex- always explain that and have that be pointed out every single minute of this movie, and have that joke kind of come up there. Um, a lot of key elements of the original, and I don't want this to be a exact copy, or remake, and you know mm. do the same thing the original did. But what kind of made the original kind of fun too is like one there was something investing you really into and really care. It's like this. The only thing that's really kind of invested is like okay, you want to see the uh, uh, what's his name. Um, uh the main guy the black guy single oh, walls single walls is like the main thing is kind of like okay you just want to see him get back to the NBA you want to see him kind of maybe have a chance at the NBA again and it's like uh okay I, I don't think that's an interesting enough story there that kind of gets me involved there and then mentioned before like the gambling addiction element that was such a big uh, element mm-hmm. and a part of there it's like you know street ball uh having that there and yeah, like I said it was like Woody Harrison had an addiction he was like oh, Adam right. Sandler uncut gems like he couldn't he could stop. It's like, bro, you know, he's like, let's bet it again. Let's do it again. It's like, bro, stop. Like, you know, but that that's kind of there. Jack Harlow, does he have a future in acting or anything like that? I, I, I think he's got charisma. I think maybe hmm. under the right script, you know, maybe he could come yeah. in and, and do something.
2: Yeah. With the right script in the right direction, I think you can overcome a lack of talent, which I think he has. I, I,
0: yeah, I could kind of say, I can kind of see maybe on the right script and direction, he can do it uh number five uh for me is gonna be a movie that dust mentioned totally killer uh totally killer i don't think i think this is kind of a nothing movie as well mm-hmm. um interesting kind of concept you kind of could have done here but i think it all a lot of the humor and jokes just is hey isn't it crazy that hey we had different thoughts and opinions back in the 1980s than we do now in 2023 like what if we a person from 2023 went back in the 1980s and found things offensive it's like okay what are you gonna do with that nothing except her just simply going like hey we don't say that anymore it's like that's primary jokes that's pretty much 95 of the jokes in all this movie is just things in the 80s oh you know they were racially insensitive or you know that I mean, sexual harassment or lots of drugs and things like that it's like okay i I, I just feel like you just kind of wasted that whole kind of concept and, and premise there. And that's what they all just kind of allowed the jokes just boil down to. Um, good cast, though. I think this is a good case. You have people like Randall Park in here. You got the girl from uh, the Sabrina show in here. Mad Men. Um, that's, you know What's her name from Modern, uh, modern Family? Uh, Julie uh, Bowen. Julie Bowen in here. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's kind of a waste of time. Um, yeah, so. And this is on Prime in case people wanted to check it out. Their uh, Prime film um all right so uh totally killer and then after totally killer a movie that you all have brought up already um the flash the flash like i said um i think the flash i mean i wouldn't say i was disappointed by the flash um i know a lot of people you know there was a lot of hype going into this movie i don't mm-hmm. think i've ever you know i don't know who was doing that i don't yeah, know who who's
2: yeah, Warner Brothers paying for like good reviews, uh, just putting out so many like free fan screenings leading up to the release of the movie that it completely sabotaged its own box office run.
0: Yeah, I mean, because the run here, I mean, people, this is going to be studied because the amount of hype that this movie had coming into it's like, man, this is man, Ezra Miller, he's fantastic. This is the best superhero performance ever. This is great. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. This is the best superhero movie ever. You're going to die when you're going to see this. Movie. You don't need to see any <laughs> you, more superhero movies. You, you movie. see this movie, you will not. Yeah, that's the, the amount of hype coming in. There's a lot of people saying it was just like so big. It's like, man, and people going, like, damn. I mean, I don't like Ezra Miller, but man, what if this is really amazing? What if this is that fantastic? And you see, and I finally see, I was like, this is some bullshit. ezra miller's not that good in it i I, he has some you know they have some okay scenes he he was he was they
2: were miscast from jump and it was one of the most kind of baffling comic book castings because when you think about barry allen he's like you, you know this guy he's like dc's equivalent to someone like peter parker it's like bad stuff happens to him but he still perseveres and overcomes it and is still fairly well adjusted. Here, Ezra Miller's got none
0: of that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I kind of appreciate like you're doing a movie, because it seems like Ezra Miller's is on the spectrum or kind of mm-hmm. somewhere around there, which, okay, you know, you're doing characters like like Newt's Commander in the you know the Fantastic Beast series, like having lead characters who are maybe on the spectrum to some degree. That's kind of maybe admirable. But I seriously thought, I mean, putting all the stuff aside with Ezra Miller. putting all the criminal behavior aside and all that mm. stuff. Like, I'm trying to look at this objectively as I can with the movie. It you know, is it a great performance that just blows like I can see no one else playing the flash? No, I don't really think so. No, no. Uh, Grant
2: Gustin did it for nine years on the CW and is way better, a better fit for that character.
0: Yeah um which i think he's supposed to be in here i think as a cameo and then they cut it i think or something mm-hmm. um but yeah and then that whole ending where the, the cgi monstrosity and ah. all these cameos ah, and- it is
2: it is one of the ugliest s- s- moments i've seen in a film and the most insulting thing is you didn't even have any of the actors who are still alive actually come back and do any kind of filming
0: mm-hmm. or not
2: even have like a stand-in where you like map the face on there it's all just ghastly
0: CG recreations of a lot of dead actors. Yeah. Even Nicolas Cage, who's alive. He, yeah. Like, <laughs> they couldn't even get him. It's like, I mean, Nicolas Cage, would, he'll do anything. Nicolas Cage will literally do almost anything. He probably could have showed up and come back. And you know. And then some people go like, you know, you talk about the movie, how bad it is. Yeah, but then people counter. It's like, Yeah, man, but it, Nicolas Cage was Superman in it. And it's like, that's all I wanted. It's For like, that's two seconds, it. and he didn't speak at all. That's all you. That's like that's all you wanted, really. Is a, it, this is the
2: cinematic equivalent
0: of just jingling keys. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, Mick, Michael Keaton is Batman just saying lines from the Batman movie just because, because like, hey, you remember this line? You remember this line? Like, shit, that don't even. It's not even. Doesn't even make any sense. It's like doesn't even match the scene that's kind of going on in. Like me and Marley, we were talking about. Like you know how like they do those intros. Like you ever seen um, Regal movie? You see their intro. Oh, uh. yeah. Where they just quote movie lines? That's what this shit is. Like, he just quote movie like this shit. Don't even make any sense. It's like, how was your day to day? Let's get nuts. It's like what? Like what are you talking about? And that's what it kind of felt like here in the Flash. But yeah, and like I said, wasted Sasha Kaye and Supergirl. Um, and it, it most of the marketing was on her to go out there and promote the movie because Ezra Miller couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So she had to go out there and do it, and she only in the movie for twenty minutes. But yeah, um, like I said, uh, Kenyon Barris, bring him back up again. The man is a menace. He's the Joker. He's got to be stopped. Um, this white man can't jump, uh, right. And coming to America. Yeah. Uh, there's a problem kind of going here. So this is my number three film. You people, um, he directed this, he wrote this, produced this. Like I said, yeah, we did the review on this. We did the review on this. Um, you know, you got a great, you know, comedic talent in Eddie Murphy. Um, you got Jonah Hill on here. Uh, a lot of racial humor comes in here and again, it's done so poorly, something that you could have maybe made funny because these situations, they do happen sometimes awkward kind of situations there. um, that kind of get brought up, but the way that it's kind of handled here is just kind of so lame and not done well. Um, I don't buy them as a couple, Jonah Hill and Mm -hmm. Laura London. Uh, I mentioned that in the review before. It's not even because like, Hey, Laura London is so good looking. And then Jonah Hill is Jonah Hill. Uh, no offense to Jonah Hill, but it's just that it just it seems like more of like a best friend relationship, not really like a romantic relationship there. that's like I can see them potentially get married in this um and yeah, like to have like a character, Eddie Murphy, who basically if you know if you're in the black community and know black people, basically like a Hotep type guy, you know Dr. Umar type guy, you can <laughs> have a lot of fun with that if you if you really get somebody in there that really knows what they're doing or how to write that, you could have a lot of fun with that and really know how to write that. And make it funny but here it's just done so lame and, and so poor uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus um, and I know she was in a really good movie uh, this year You Hurt My Feelings which I haven't seen mm-hmm. but it, it, I hear that's really fantastic um, so I guess she counters that out when she did that uh, David Duchovny he might as well be a fucking ghost in this I don't you know he's, <laughs> empty. he's just empty
2: he's, he's just just watching this trailer he looks so fucking high while oh, he's yeah. delivering this one
1: yeah I had forgotten he was even in this movie because of how quickly he, he's barely in there.
0: Yeah. Like he, he barely even really talks in this movie. Yeah, he him. yeah, he, he like, plays,
1: you know, for like one moment and he's just with them when they uh when he announces when Joe Hill announces that hey uh I'm interested in somebody.
0: And he's like, Oh, well that's great. Yeah. Well he so, probably don't even know where he is. Nah. He's like he probably still think he doing Californication on on show. <laughs> Wait, when did the show get some black? Like when we had this many black people in this show? I don't even know. Uh, so that was my number three. Uh, number two is a movie that feels like it was written by AI. Uh, Ghosted. Um, oh this oh damn,
2: me. I forgot about this one.
0: Yeah, this was with Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Ana Armas. Who I don't know. It's like she's been on a losing streak too. Like Knives Out, and then after that, it's like damn, what has she been in that I really liked? Um. Okay. Like oh it's, it's been a rough string. Then Chris Evans trying to find something to do after now he's not throwing that that frisbee anymore. He's trying to find something to do. It's like okay, uh, and he was also in Knives Out too as well. And I think that was the last good movie he was in. Um yeah, so this movie it's it's a romantic kind of comedy um, where this dude he matches with this girl, then stalks her, goes to mm-hmm. follows her all yeah. the way to another country. Yeah. she's in St-
2: yeah stalks her, and we're supposed to root for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, in any other situation, if a guy doesn't look like Chris Evans, it'd be like, nah, bro. This ain't yeah, working. The first,
2: pro- the first problem is this movie is trying to get me to believe that a guy who looks like Chris Evans has trouble getting women.
0: You know, it's like, come on. And no chemistry between him and Ande Armas. It's just like, they're two good looking people, but I don't feel any mm-hmm. chemistry at all between these two. You know, she's supposed to be the, you know, badass super spy, which worked in No Time to Die. That worked mm-hmm. there. I-, I thought she was perfect there, but here does not work at all. Um, like I said, Feels like this was so generic, made by AI, and all the kind of things that kind of happen in this. Um, also has a, a lame uh Ryan Reynolds cameo. Uh, I don't know why he keeps appearing in movies and cameos. I don't know what the fuck. he just is. He just walking around on set, just hey, you want to come in for a cameo? I just have no idea why. I'm, I'm tired Knowing
1: Ryan Reynolds, it probably is yes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this kind of just shows up.
1: I, He's like, I'm a family man now, and I'm trying to make Deadpool 3 if Disney doesn't keep screwing with me, ruining it. <laughs> but it's like uh i also got mint mobile now uh yeah okay stocks yeah, is doing too great yeah, i'll be i'll be in the cameo yeah, yeah he's he's a,
0: a, he's a billionaire.
2: billionaire with yeah he's a billionaire even without acting anymore
0: yeah um so yeah cuz he's got also the he's his own alcohol doesn't he mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah aviation yep. gin which actually isn't bad yeah,
0: oh, okay. All yeah. It, it's, it's
2: it's on the better end of like the celebrity alcohols
0: yeah um so Last film number one, Expendables Four, Expend Um, there, the reason why this is the worst movie. So typically, I don't really hate movies too much. Mm-hmm. I think you know, I mean, hey, every you, you know, I don't really hates a strong word. I try not mm-hmm. to say that and use that much. Mm-hmm. But usually, when I get into like the top five of the list, it's like these are movies I really actively hate because they just really didn't have much going on. Um, Expendables Four, this has got nothing I like in it. Like just thinking, it's like. The characters I don't like, the action scenes I don't like. You know, if you're going to be at least this dumb action movie, at least have some good action in it. And it doesn't even have this. It takes place all on a boat uh, here. So it seems like they lost money during these sequels uh, when they were kind of doing it. This seems like it's some shit that should be on Redbox, not in movie theaters. Um, The cast that they have here, it's like, it's to a point now. It's like, I guess, did they run out of action stars now? Like, you got Andy Garcia, you got Megan Fox, you got. who else is in here? Uh, Fifty Cent, you know, coming in here. Um, I guess I don't know. He's a gangster. I guess he's a, he's a kind of <laughs> guy. He's, he's hard from the streets. I guess it's like that kind of works. But I don't know. I just like that's just kind of lame. Like I said, wasting guys from the raid, unbuck, You know, close up. You can't even really see much of what's going on. Yeah, it, 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 the concept of this film series started off kind of like, okay, hey, what if we take your old action heroes, bring them back. And mm-hmm. it's like nah, y'all should have stayed in the nursing home. Uh, that, that's <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Grand,
2: okay Grandpa. Come on, let's get back to your get back to your room. Yeah. Everyone's a Terminator.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like because yeah, you see the people, you know, ain't Like he's not back. Wesley Snipes not back. Uh, Bruce Willis for obvious reasons he's not back. Obviously for yeah. obvious reasons Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's like yeah, this this is a whole. I don't know how this movie got as many sequels as it did. Like, I don't know really how, but some way it did. So. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, worst of 2023 there.